alive. The mics are hot. Listen up, because it ain't nothing funny. I want a hot girl on a little bit of money. I want a little house from a bank to live, because I'm tired of moving every other weekend. I want to go to parties where they got no guns. I want to rock with my band. I want to have a little fun with thugs and punks. Any other types. These are Fresh Beats by Dave. Sing I'm Mike. This song and we'll sing it all night. Welcome to All I want to do is kick the welfare. <laughs> Those aren't my beats, bro. That's good Charlotte. Fucking res- respect the classics. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I feel dirty to say that. So today we have some video game news to bring you guys. Starting with, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Ubisoft Forward. Sure. I guess was the biggest conference, uh, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Like, say what up? Like, what up, Dave? How am I doing? Well, you were dropping beats. How's my life? You know, How you whatever. doing? How's no, no, no. I guess we're just here to talk about Ubisoft Forward. <laughs> let's get right to it. No, let's talk about no, you. let's get right let's to it. Let's talk about you. What you wearing? Ubisoft Forward. <laughs> So Ubisoft Forward. <laughs> uh, kind of blew. I don't know. It was very short. They didn't really announce much on Ubisoft Forward. I feel like you're talking really quiet. Usually you're like shouting at me when we do these podcasts. I feel like you just feel like I'm shouting because usually you're more tired. So it feels like I'm yelling at you. You come up into this apartment and you are fucking shouting. And I'm usually like, Mike, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the question. Did you record Cracking One Open right before this? Before this, but I had dinner before okay. coming up here. Yeah. You ain't, you ain't fresh off a couple beers, is what it is. I did have a couple. I'm drinking a, <laughs> I'm drinking a hard seltzer right now. Uh, usually you come up, I'm like, this dude's drunk. <laughs> I'm not usually drunk. <laughs> Tell you what. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ubisoft Forward happened. They didn't announce a whole lot. We got to see a, a good look at. I mean, the biggest thing out of that was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We got to see a decent amount of that game. Uh, I'm still pretty excited about it. It doesn't look as Assassin's Creed as I think most Assassin's Creeds have. But then again, I still have yet to get to Origins and Odyssey in terms of the Assassin's Creed uh, games. I'm on yeah, where, Syndicate right now. Where the hell is uh, Road to Valhalla? What's been going on there? Uh, we've been talking about these conferences that have run way too long. Our episodes. <laughs> if this run runs shorter, I'll bring it up. But have you still been playing? Long. Yeah, I beat Unity. Okay. 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 So, I think I've already talked about what I'm excited about for Valhalla. I mean, I like the Viking aspect. I like the like the fish out of water Viking aspect to it. I like being in England. I like the ability to see how England was kind of formed in terms of its kingdoms and stuff. And I like the historical aspect that Assassin's Creed brings in their realism in terms of what actually happened in history. It did look... I don't know if you got the same vibe. It looked very... For honorary. Uh, only in the sense that there are Vikings. Vikings that's, and knights, maybe that's what did it for me. That's really the only comparison I saw. I mean, it's definitely not like For Honor's like combat or anything. It's just scenic, sure. Yeah. Vikings, cool. Love them. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. I wonder if it's because of the battering ram and the uh, the videos of the, the big attacks, the siege attacks that were going on. Just kind of reminded me of For Honor because that was the last game I played where you really did siege attacks like that. 
I guess, you know, being a elite gamer like myself, I never played any of that stuff in For Honor. I was there for one-on-one duels or two-on-two duels. That was it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I kicked ass. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I love For Honor. You do love For Honor. So I don't know if there's anything you really wanted to bring to the table in terms of Valhalla. I don't think they brought anything crazy new in terms of news other than the ability to switch between the gender of your character, uh, Isnor, uh, whenever you wanted to. I don't want to say you're wrong, but I'm like, it's not. Eisner. I'm like 99% sure that's not the name, but I, I don't know what it is either. Ivysaur I don't care. Or something. It's not Ivysaur, Mike. <laughs> Ivor. That's it's a, a it's fucking I- Pokemon. It's Ivor. <laughs> it was in the name somewhere. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really have nothing to say about it. Double shields look cool. I want to bash people with double shields. <laughs> double shields looks neat. Um, change it up how you play whatever you put in your hands is cool but yeah i don't think they showed me anything that was like groundbreaking or made me go oh man like if you already wanted to play this game you already want to play it if you didn't want to play it before i don't think that changed your mind in any way yeah i'm i certainly wasn't swayed in any way it looks like odyssey yeah it looks like assassin's creed to me uh the next game that they showed and i know you're really excited about this is brawlhalla mobile no i'm not (laughs) <laughs> I told you, man, you got to bring the thunder for this episode. If you want me to be invested in this conversation. I just thought it was cool that the mobile Rahala is going to work with all the other platforms. The crossplay between platform and and mobile is kind of blurring. We've talked about it before, like xCloud and stuff like that. Or, you know, like Fortnite. And Fortnite. <laughs> and then, of course, that was just kind of the segue into Watch Dogs Legion. And... I don't know if we've really gone into Watch Dogs Legions yet on this podcast between the two of us. I don't think so. But I'm I'm very excited for Watch Dogs Legions. I think the concept of the game, being able to beat anybody in the game world, is really, really interesting and a really cool idea if it ends up being implemented well and is actually fun to actually play. You haven't played any of the previous Watch Dogs, right? I played the original Watch Dogs. I have not played Watch Dogs 2 yet, even though it is on my hard drive ready to go. I don't believe you. I have it's one of the last physical copy games I bought. Watchdogs? Watchdogs, yeah. How much did you play? I feel like we would have talked about it. We've never talked about Watchdogs. I got about three quarters of the way through it. I got mm, bored of it. Okay. It wasn't the greatest. No, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aiden Pierce was bad. Everything else I actually like Watchdogs a lot. So a lot of gameplay stuff was cool. Yeah. The sell the like the AR type missions and the fun, like mini game stuff was really that was some of my favorite stuff in the game. This game looks like just bonkers in terms of a lot of the stuff like what (laughs) (laughs) well just in terms of like the attitude of the game and the at least from what we get with the the trailers the style of the game they're presenting you know it's it's like a dystopian 1980 or well 1984 type story but done almost not quite tongue-in-cheek but a little tongue-in-cheek with your characters, the fun masks, all of them have a fun attitude. The ability to recruit the old ladies who were like ex-operatives and stuff like that. It just looks like a lot of fun. Um, and kind of like they're taking the piss out of out of games that take that kind of dystopian concept way too seriously. And they're making a kind of fun version of that. While not going into like Sunset Overdrive or even the newest Far Cry 5's kind of uh, the New Dawn kind of silliness of it. I really enjoyed some of the new stuff they showed off, like riding the drones, I thought was really cool. They showed a little bit more of just getting around London 
a little bit more of depending on who you recruit. And this is something I had read that they actually, in an interview, because they had more time to work in the game, the game was originally supposed to come out in March, they were able to really hammer home, you get a construction worker, he's going to get onto the construction site a lot easier than anybody else. Same with if you get the um, main bad guys. If they're if you recruit one of their group, they can infiltrate their own people a little bit easier. And something as specific as the example that they gave in the interview of, if you're at a construction site, an architect's going to be able to get further into the building without question than most construction workers. But the construction worker is going to be able to get the equipment a lot easier and, and use some of the more fun tools at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Like a hard hat. A hard, yeah, yeah hard hats. Take a bullet to the head. It's true. A hard enough hat. But I thought that was a really cool concept. The ability to really choose how you want to play the game depending on who you're recruiting and how long, you know, you play with them depends on how long you keep them alive, obviously. I don't know what your thoughts on Watchdog Legions is. It looks fun. I, I'm not expecting it to be good, but you don't you're not looking forward to it. Did you play any watchdogs too? No, I have it downloaded, but I've never gotten around to playing it. I, For as much as I liked the first one, I was really excited for the second one. I didn't end up getting it until it was like 10 bucks though, and I just never turned it on. I am interested to see how they handle all the, you know, Orwellian aspects of it with as much as like it's going on in the world right now with like, you know, police brutality and stuff. The idea of like private police forces and stuff like. There's a lot there, and I'm curious how. Seriously, they're going to take it. If it's going to be glossed over, if it's going to be a huge part of the game, or what? Seems like it'll be a pretty big part of the game, but that they won't yeah, you're saying beat you over the head with how serious it is. But from what we saw in the video, it does look like you know it gets pretty serious. It gets, you know, at least the the short film was pretty pretty dark, even though it had some comedy to it. That short film they showed beforehand was a pretty dark film. I don't think I saw a short film. Well, there was a little CGI film that was about a graffiti artist getting chased by the police where the police were basically stopping at nothing to get this one graffiti artist and like destroying the town and a taxi driver saves her. And just for trying to save the graffiti artist from dying, the taxi driver gets marked for death and arrest and stuff like that. And because there's cameras everywhere. Are you talking about a cinema sequence? No, this was a short film created specifically for the Ubisoft forward. Okay. I got to check this out. I don't, this doesn't, it sounds familiar, but I don't think I saw it. It's like about five minutes of played before they did the yeah I'm, before they did the watchdog stuff. Must have missed it. Yeah, it was pretty good. I would check it out. The uh, animation style was really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited for Watchdogs, but like you, I'm a little cautiously optimistic because while it looks really cool and the ideas are really cool, it's a lot of clever cuts in the videos they show, and I feel like they don't really show you a full taking over of somebody and playing the actual gameplay. They show a mission. But it's a whole open world game where you're supposed to be recruiting all these people. They don't really show you the full recruitment process and how samey or unique or exciting or boring it is. So I'm sure you walk up to someone and you're like, yo, join my team. And they're like, I don't want to join your team. I need to go to the grocery store. And then, <laughs> you the and then you're like, I'll go to the grocery store for you. And then you go to the grocery store for them. And then you bring them a bag of groceries and they go, I actually never needed the groceries. Ha ha. I'm the best. No, I don't know what happens after that. I feel like you're probably pretty much <laughs> on point. <laughs> Replace like groceries with find out what happened to my like arrested brother or something. But essentially it's probably a fetch quest. I'm sure. So save money on that. <laughs> Still excited for it. 
I like the idea of you not having to recruit the people, though. I like the idea of just them already being a part of your legion, you know? Well, I would imagine, and I don't know for sure, but you'd start out with maybe five people just to give you a little selection. I like the idea of it being everyone, though. Like, and I remember in the original footage that they showed of the game, like, it was just you'd be walking down the street and, like, you'd, like, jump into someone else's phone and you were suddenly taking control of them. It was almost like everyone was already, like, it seemed like there's already this huge force of people um, that you could just jump between. I don't like the idea of having to recruit them, though. I just want them. <laughs> it could be still that you can find some dead sec members just walking around that you can jump into, like pre-made ones. Who knows? But that would I, I do like that aspect, too. I do like I just like the idea that everybody in the game world is somebody you could play as. I think that's really neat. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some limits in terms of like the goons and the guys you fight, but I, I think that's a really cool idea. But will it be good or fun? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the next thing they showed, which I'll just say they showed, is the Tom Clancy's Elite Squad free-to-play tactical RPG on mobile with over 70 characters in the Tom Clancy universe done like a cartoon game. It just doesn't seem right to me. Tom Clancy movies and books and games usually are pretty serious, and this just looks like... I don't think that Tom Clancy, would he be alive today, would be like, yeah, it looks cool. I mean, when did Tom Clancy die? <laughs> it was like at least 15 years ago now. A long time. <laughs> but he was a, he was alive for a lot of these games coming out. Yeah, but I think a lot of the other games were pretty then serious. He signed, then he signed off on a lot of crap, Mike. I'm sure. <laughs> for sure, Dave. <laughs> uh, the next thing they discussed was Rainbow Six Siege and their characters. And that is going to keep going on forever. Uh, I think that's cool. I know, I know you like the game as the service model, so I don't know how you feel about Rainbow Six Siege just continuing the way it's going, or if you don't think it's enough. I mean, I've never played Siege, so I have no idea. I can't say. Um, I think I saw they had like 60 million active players. That can't be true, right? I guess they just keep growing every <laughs> that, season. That can't be true. <laughs> um, and if you have that many active players, why the hell would you rock the boat? Just keep going. Um I was confused by that, though, because they didn't talk about Rainbow Six Quarantine at all. and They did not, which is weird. I don't know if that's supposed to be, like, the successor to Siege or if that's, like, a completely standalone, like, single-player game or what. It's, I believe it is still a multiplayer game. I believe it is going to be closer to a, like, a four-person co-op tactical shooter similar to, like, Left 4 Dead. Oh, okay. I had no idea. But it's still run on the same Siege engine and stuff, so there's, they're just basically modding Rainbow Six Siege to play it. Gotcha. So it's not supposed to be the replacement. But now that you bring it up, I didn't even think about that. They did not show any of that. Yeah, I, I know they said they're going to do more forwards going forward in the summer. I doubt we'll see that one. I feel like quarantine's uh, Bad word. Not, not a word they want to be talking about right now. I'd be surprised if they even kept the name. You know, I would expect them to probably change the name of the game. But yeah. We'll see. But yeah, the trailer for it, the original trailer was pretty cool. But I, I just don't know. The two characters in like the couple of maps every year just... I don't know. I like Rainbow Six Siege. I think it's a fun game to play. But I just don't think, at least for me, because I'm not a competitive multiplayer, I just don't know if there's enough meat on those bones. But who knows? They're doing something right, like you said. I just can't see. They want to go for like about 10. They want to go for maybe 10 years, they said in that video. They alluded to it. I mean, more power to them. I mean, people still play Counter-Strike all the time, you know? Counter-Strike Go. Counter-Strike's getting old, right? Oh, yeah. Counter-Strike Go's. Mad old at this point. They did try to kind of change it. And I think they got 
kind of strike you as such a weird Yoga? thing to call it. Why do you keep doing that? What do you call it? Global? Did you just say global operation? Because every time I see it, I just see Counter Strike well, G it, capital G capital O. I would just call it CSGO if I was going to go with the go. <laughs> I always see it as Counter Strike GO when I see it. So it's weird. It, make, it makes, like it? It makes like me that. feel like kind of dirty when you say <laughs> CSGO. It. <laughs> I don't know if I like CSGO. CSGO is the, the popular acronym. All right. So or, or just Counter Strike. I've just never heard anyone call it Counter Strike Go. I mean, I'm not saying that those people aren't out there. I've just. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was making me like my hair stand up in my arm. <laughs> Comment at two player bros. What do you call? <laughs> but I, I just am, I'm very interested to see what it'll look like on Xbox One X and PlayStation Five going forward, and what kind of update they'll do to keep the game fresh. You know, four years from now to keep it looking cool. But who knows? Maybe yeah. they'll keep it exactly the same. If people keep playing it, if people keep spending money every season, don't mess with it. Like every game doesn't have to be for everyone. You know, it's it's nice to have, you know, good entry points and jumping on points for people, but maybe it's just not for you, Mike. They well, left, they I, left I like you the behind. Game. I mean, at this point, I think if I tried to play it again, I'd be massacred because the people who still play it are probably real good. <laughs> I heard they had a really good system for rolling in new players. I don't know Do what that, I don't know what it actually is. I can't speak to it in detail, but I, I've heard that it's actually pretty easy to jump in. Like, you're not going to be great at the game, but you can kind of warm up to it as you as you play i played it probably for the first three weeks it was out on and off because it's just multiplayer mode so it's just every once in a while it's yeah pretty fun i mean that's just how you play multiplayer in general it's you you play it for a week or two and then you usually fall off yeah that's and, me and you leave <laughs> me sitting there going come on please listen i'll go back on rainbow just, six for you just a couple rounds of gears man <laughs> listen this last round 2v2 of gears, nashers man come you're, on you're the one that stopped playing gears this time well, you were so into Fortnite, you kind of seemed like you bounced right back into Fortnite. Nonsense. You nonsense. Nonsense. So they didn't bring it up specifically in the Ubisoft press conference, but I want to attach it to Rainbow Six Siege that they did afterward talk about Skull and Bones, their pirate fighting game, which is based on the combat from Assassin's Creed. And they did say that they're basically retooling it, not in terms of how the gameplay, I guess, the combat works, but in terms of how they're presenting the story and the game. And it's now going to be thought of, they're trying to retool it as a seasonal almost Fortnite Rainbow Six-esque seasonal game, like a game that continues onward with time. So I thought that was cool that we got some news out of that because I'm really excited for Skull and Bones because all pirates is pretty fun. <laughs> I don't think that was like good news, though. Oh, no, it means you're going to be waiting even longer for the game. Is it, for hey, sure. by the way, we started over. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's not good news. But yeah, I mean, I I still want to play it. I I don't even remember what it looks like at this point. I just know it's pirates. I'd like a pirate game with like speaking of for honor. I want to just play a pirate for honor. That's what I, that's what I want out of skull and bones right now. That looks like you might get that. Hopefully. But we'll see. The only thing I remember from skull and bones is one shot in the Caribbean of one ship hiding from another ship behind an Island. And that's all I can remember. Yeah. I'm sure with the success that sea of thieves is end up having, that's probably why they're trying to pivot to a more like seasonal games of service. Sure it is. It just seems to be working. Speaking of games as service, they also announced Hyperspace. The open beta is live now on the PC only for the re- at the moment. They didn't just announce Hyperspace. Well, they didn't just announce, but they did a big how to do about it at the conference. Yeah, they were just like, hey, by the way, this thing's been out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, I had kind of seen blurbs about it, but really didn't care. This is my first time I really saw Hyperspace. And I thought it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's Ubisoft trying to catch on to that Fortnite craze. For sure. But 
I think a lot of the concepts and the look of the game, the Ready Player One meets Battle Royale meets very active Twitch um, stuff was really, really neat. I, I really enjoyed what I saw in the game. Yeah, I've, I've been watching a lot of hyperspace or hyperscape on uh, on Twitch for a couple weeks now. I've probably watched like 10 to 20 hours of Twitch of it. Wow. And it looks really fun. I mean, I just watch a lot of Twitch. That's that's that's, that's not a lot. Like, <laughs> don't ask me how much other Twitch I've watched since. Um, I I think Fortnite is like a terrible, terrible comparison for what this game is. Um, well, you're the one who's watched ten to twenty hours. Yeah, that. that's why, why I can't. Let, why I that? can't let you get away <laughs> with saying things like that. So it is a battle royale, but it's very much an arena shooter first. It just so happens that there's, you know, 98 other players in the game with you. Um, and unlike Fortnite and Modern Warfare, it's a Modern Warfare or Warzone um, and Apex. In this game, until your team is wiped, you can keep coming back over and over and over again. There's no like time limits on how long that'll be good for or whatever. Um and literally it's just an arena shooter. That's like, just like one really long game. It's tons of verticality. Um, the weapons all seem kind of bland. doesn't seem like it's got great weapons right now, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, but it's like this very tight part of a city and that's it. It's just this one like tight city. Um, and every match is that same. Yeah. It's or, just, at least for now, it's just one map. I think there's like five or six like zones in the city. Um, that might be the wrong number. I actually don't know. Um, and each is in each sector of the city looks pretty distinct, but you can get from one sector to the other in moments like speed and mobility is everything in that game. Now you talk about mobility. Now, what kind of traversal is there? Because they kind of show some of it in the video, but not a ton. It's a lot of like launching, like launching straight up and then like teleporting forward as you move. But I don't know if they're, I've watched so much of you think I would, I don't know if there are like jump pads that people are hitting or if they also have jump pad like abilities, but it's a lot of going like straight up or, or like say quickly forward. And like, you can slam, like when you're up in the air, you can like slam down and like force people back. And that's cool. A lot of cool stuff. I do like that. They seem to like really be embracing this ready player one matrix type world that they're in and really going hard with the you're in a virtual world kind of aspect. I think that's really, yeah. and, And that definitely allows for, you know, them to do really whatever they want with maps going forward. Right. Dinosaurs or ghosts or whatever. So your themed, your theme stuff should be really cool for this game for now you, you're watching on Twitch. Now are people actively messing with the game on Twitch? Like you kind of saw in the video on Ubisoft forward that you've seen. I hadn't seen any of that, like literally any of that. So I don't know if that's something that's just going live now or, or what, but the Twitch interactivity is like, that's the first I was hearing about it. Um, the only other game I've seen do that is IDARP, which was wonderful. <laughs> IDARP did it, and then Party Hard 2, which I think is, I don't know if it's out on PC or it's in beta on PC. It's not on consoles yet. has a lot of things where you can mess with, I know you don't like the game, the concept of the game, but you can mess with the killer at the party and start putting Oh, that game. Yeah. yeah, fuck. No, we're not even talking about that game. That game is disgusting. <laughs> but the ability, I thought that was the first time I heard about Twitch users actually connecting with the game, which I thought was really, really cool. And also really makes twitch like why would you watch the game on mixer or facebook gaming if you could watch something on twitch and actively interact with it 
So that I think that really puts a lot of chips in yeah, Twitch's corner and stuff like that. Man, I just realized I was wrong because IDARP was actually Twitter, right? It wasn't actually Twitch. It was Twitter, yeah. yeah I felt silly a second ago. That's fine. IDARP is still awesome. <laughs> You're more than welcome to bring up IDARP. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited for Hyperscape. I don't. They didn't announce anything about console or when it's coming out or a beta on console. It will be coming to console. That's been. Yeah, that's no. Yeah. I mean, that's been announced. They've said that. Um, but we just don't know when. But it seems cool. It seems like there's a little bit of a story to it as well. So I was actually pleasantly surprised by what I saw from this game. From what I've seen, there's very, very, very little story. Like they were talking about it in that, but. When you're actually watching the game, like the characters don't even have voice lines right now, as far as I know. Really? Um, no, in terms like of a, a game characters. like Overwatch, there's no like explicit story being, like you don't get cutscenes or anything, but your characters like interact with each other with like specific voice lines and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't see any of that with Hyperscape. Yeah, you talk about the characters. They showed like five different models on the uh, concept artist board in the video. Do you know how many characters that you've seen on Twitch? Because it didn't seem like there were that many characters, especially for an Overwatch-type game where I imagine each character is... I couldn't even tell you what the menus in that game look like, Mike. That's not how I watch watch Twitch. Twitch. (laughs) I'm on my phone or I'm on my computer, and I just kind of look up and I see what's going on. Um, But no, honestly, if you told me that there weren't... If you told me that there weren't even individual characters, I have believed you were a fault person. Um, Very, very little going on in customization and stuff from what I've seen. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. Well, it's a game that I actually, you know, going into it, they made a big deal out of it. And I was like, I don't care about this. And then watching what they showed, I was actually somewhat excited for it. No, when it, when it comes out on console, I'm definitely going to give it a try. Then the last thing they showed, because again, they didn't show much (laughs) was the far cry six teaser trailer, Mm -hmm. which they didn't show anything from the game. But I really dug that trailer. Yeah, I I would have been really excited for that if it hadn't leaked out previously. Like we knew it was coming, and then we knew that Giancarlo Esposito was going to be in it. And both of those things are great. I'm excited about it coming out, and I'm excited about Giancarlo Esposito. But uh, I already knew, so I wasn't that excited. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they showed the uh, kid in the kind of Cuban esque environment and the riots going, I was like, oh, this is Far Cry Six. Oh, no, it was, as soon as they showed me a lizard, I was like, oh, this, <laughs> this is that Far Cry trailer I knew was coming. I thought his monologue was cool. I thought the fact that they showed you this more more or less bustling city, which you haven't really seen in a Far Cry yet, was very interesting. And I, I'd be really excited to see what they do in terms of driving and kind of just transport in term, because most of the Far Cries that I've played, even, the, even Far Cry 4, which took place in Montana, it's more small towns and stuff. So I'm interested in how that plays. I'm sure it'll play like all the Far Cries, which I'll buy because I really enjoy them, even if they're all samey. But I think Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito's character is going to bring some interesting gravitas for it because Far Cry is also known for its very unique, very interesting villains. So mm-hmm. I'm he'll, excited. He'll definitely be one. Then they showed 30 minutes of Assassin's Creed spoilers, which I then turned off because... I don't want to watch somebody play the game for a whole half hour. <laughs> so that was Ubisoft Forward. There are going to be more throughout the year, they said. I mean, that's cool, I guess. Yeah, I was super disappointed with the whole event in general. Like, we didn't really see much 
of anything. The one big reveal was leaked. <laughs> yeah. I guess knowing that there's more coming kind of softens the blow a little bit, but I want E3 style press conferences and other than PlayStation, we just haven't gotten that yet. Yeah. Um, so I've been disappointed at all these little events that we've had all summer. Me too. PlayStation's definitely was the the biggest, most grandiose E3 like one that they've done. Yeah, hope hopefully Xbox brings that same thunder on the twenty third. They've got to, or they're they're done. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, even me, who's I'm not like a diehard Xbox or die. I've got a PlayStation Four, but going into this, I was like, yeah, Xbox has the better system. It's the better system, but PlayStation games is just like, oh, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> What are you hoping to see? What do you, what, what would like get your rocks off (laughs) to see from Xbox? I haven't been excited for a Halo since Halo 2. Even Halo 3, I was like, I can finish the fight. That's cool. But I would love to be, you know, we're going to see Infinity. I know we're going to see it, but I, what I want to see is Infinity rock my socks off because right now I don't care about Infinity coming out. I, I really want it to be something where I'm excited about Master Chief again because he's their only. We talked about it before. They got Gears and, and Master Chief, have, and that's it. I don't want to sound insensitive to you or to Master Chief. Look, have you ever cared about Master Chief? Not since 1999, Dave. <laughs> not for a long, long time. What, 2001? 2000, yeah, early 2000s. Um, like, but you were never even big on Halo 2, right? Like, we played co op. Halo a lot. Yes. Like in four players split screen at your house a lot. Yes. That was mainly Halo one. I feel like with Halo two, you kind of dropped off a bit, a little bit, but I still played it a lot with you guys. Cause Halo two is more like the online experience. So I typically, we typically weren't doing that when we were hanging out, but no. I, I'd really like that to be cool. I mean, Xbox has what? 20 something studios at this point. I'd really like to see some cool stuff from those studios. I want to see. I think they have 15. But. 15. Oh, once they buy Warner Brothers. <laughs> you know, I want to see them come out with a new mat. I'd be really excited for them to come out with a new mascot or their first mascot, something other than Halo. And it doesn't have to be something lame. Like, Why I- are you always sleeping on Blinks? Blinks the cat. <laughs> Time oh, sweeper. I'm always bringing up <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Wrong console, bro. I know. I just want to see. They just want to see them with a another character or hero that really gets somebody excited and think Xbox when they think of it. Uh, other than that, I'd love to see good stuff. <laughs> this is only, yeah, I just th- is see, this only first party? I just want to see good some, stuff. Is this only third party? First party? They're going to do some third party stuff. So at the I end know of the focus is first party. At the end of their third party one they did two months ago. They had said, um, for first party stuff, come back, you know, when we do the next one. So I assume it's first party, but I, I don't actually know. I mean, I know it's definitely going to be primarily first party. I, I hope the whole thing is first party, but at the same time, if it is all first party, we're going to see five games. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I would say what I'd be excited about is like a reveal for the, the upcoming kind of more adult Harry Potter game that they teased, not teased, that leaked about two or three years ago now that looked really, really cool. You know, I'm not a big Harry Potter guy, but I've kind of grown more into Harry Potter as time's gone by. 
And I just think, regardless, that game looked really impressive. Mm-hmm. And I'd be really excited to see something like that where Xbox goes, yo, it's on Xbox first. Or it's only on Xbox. And really makes you go, oh, damn, they got a big IP there. Because PlayStation does that all the time. Like with Arkham Asylum, it was... I don't think they were first with uh, Arkham Asylum, but they had the Joker as a as a playable character in Arkham Asylum. And I, I always felt like that was a big thing to be able to be like... <laughs> This Batman, this awesome dope Batman game's coming out. And also, if you want to play as Joker, only on PlayStation. But I think stuff like that's a big win for PlayStation. Like Xbox isn't as into that, but I feel like that's the kind of stuff that lets PlayStation win a little bit. It's weird because Xbox was into that for a long time during the 360 era. Like all the Call of Duties and everything all got their DLC first on on Xbox. I don't know why it changed or what it was, but it, I feel like Starting late 360, Xbox suddenly kind of like gave up on all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. But you, so you don't have any like specific hopes though? You're not like, there's not a certain franchise you're hoping to see come out or you just want good stuff? I just want good Like at this <laughs> point, I just want Xbox to have a win. I feel like they don't launch, like we talk, they don't launch things good. Well, <laughs> even the original Xbox, it's like, my dad ended up buying it because he wanted to play Project Gotham Racing. So he bought his own. Well, we were playing the GameCube. And then I started playing the Xbox because Star Wars Obi-Wan was out. And then Halo. And I was like, Xbox is actually kind of the best out of what had come out at the time. But they marketed it really shitty. And again, keep on doing it. I just don't think they know how to launch well. What, what do you hope to see? <laughs> or do you disagree with? Do I disagree with you? Almost exclusively, Mike. <laughs> but in this in this case, it does suck that Xbox doesn't have like those pillar characters the way that obviously Nintendo has tons and even PlayStation has a pretty big library of like iconic PlayStation characters. And really on Xbox, you're right. You have Master Chief and Marcus Phoenix and like those guys are cool, <laughs> but it would be nice if they had more characters. I really, it, it's so sad that I'm trying to think of. You can't another <laughs> Xbox character. And I really can't. The other Xbox character is a car for Forza, but it's any car. <laughs> I just, I want to be able to stop going back to blinks, the time sweeper <laughs> in that one alligator guy from brute force. I need more. <laughs> um, Because the character they have that they don't freaking use is Banjo Kazooie. Yes, <laughs> just that's what I was just, hoping you were gonna say. Just use him. <laughs> Make a game. So I guess one thing that I, I know, I know we're not gonna see it. But what I would love to see is, well, before I tell you what it is, <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario 3D World. I think about this a lot. I think it's my favorite Mario game. It's it's, I, it's way up there for me, for sure. It's so freaking good. And then with the PlayStation 1, we saw Sackboy's Big Little Adventure, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. is coming out. And it hits that 3D world vibe real hard. And I really want to play that. I would love for Microsoft to come out and say, we're doing a game like that too. And I don't know if I would want them to use the Banjo-Kazooie characters. You don't really have too many other characters in Banjo-Kazooie. You know, you have Banjo-Kazooie, 
Banjo and Kazooie. Is that it? Is there anyone else? His sister. There's Gruntilda. Oh, he, that's right. He has a little sister. Gruntilda. You can use the Jinjos. <laughs> so, so Banjo Kazooie comes to mind as a, for a game like that, or maybe like the Viva Pinata characters. Yeah, would work for a game like that. I've actually never played a Viva Pinata. I don't have any connection to them. Um, but I know they're really big games, and I don't know why we haven't seen a Viva Pinata this entire generation either. Um, so maybe a couple of pinatas would be cool <laughs> to, to make a game like that. But I would love just a 3d platformer, but like, you know, that 3d world style, 3d platformer. Hell, that'd be a good way to bring conquer back. I mean, you'd make it adult, but you could still do him in a 3d world. Mm. I feel like conquer's bad fur day is an under, not only is it funny because it's adult humor, but it's also a, a pretty fun platformer game. I don't, I don't think that fit. I don't think he fits for what I want because if you took Super Mario 3D World <laughs> and you put like Darksiders Genesis skin over the top of it, <laughs> it's not going to be nearly as fun. Like that lighthearted feel is, That's true. is what it's all game, about. Yeah. Um, so I don't want Nazi teddy bears. <laughs> I don't want Nazi teddy bears. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. I don't want to, <laughs> what you, isn't there like a, a piece of poop who's a captain or something? No, I, there is a great almighty poop. Okay. <laughs> Who's the um, giant poop god? Yes, I don't I don't want any of that. That's just silly. Um, god, I love that game. But not in the right kind of silly. <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to see something in that realm. And I'd love to see a, a new character as well, just something that can kind of match what Naughty Dog is doing. That's what that's what's rumored to be going on with the initiative, their new studio that they spun up last year. They're not gonna have a game ready anytime soon, obviously. But I would like to see some sort of new staple character for like a large scale, but like linear action adventure narrative kind of game like that. Um, those are the, the two things I'm most hopeful for. Like whatever gears comes out, I'm going to play it. I've played every gears. I love gears. Whatever halo comes out. I'll dabble with it. I haven't really been into a halo since halo two um, and halo three, I guess. But I do wish they had a few more like, big characters and if they wanted to pull in like a third party IP, you know, like a, a license deal with someone that's cool too. Like I'd be down for that. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just thinking like, I'm like a daredevil game. Just give me a, just a, some DC hero or something, you know, that's exclusive to their console. Yeah. Just something where well, I was thinking, even when you brought that up, like, Look at Final Fantasy from Final Fantasy seven to, you know, 10 or 11. It was basically you thought of Final Fantasy as PlayStation games, even though their spinoffs came out of everything. The mainline games were PlayStation for a while. Maybe Xbox can do something like that and grab something for at least this generation. Be theirs. I think that has a lot to do with Microsoft has just always had a poor relationship with, you know, Japan in their games. Yeah. 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 I was looking forward to Microsoft's conference or <laughs> not looking forward to it. <laughs> but is, is there anything that you're expecting to see? Absolutely. Halo perfect dark. I would love if rare just like, I know perfect darts rare too, but you're at sea of thieves. Like you said, Banjo Kazooie jet force, Gemini, they've got such a, a history of great IPs. I demand a Snake, Rattle, and Roll reboot. Oh, I was playing Snake, <laughs> Rattle, and Roll the other day because I was going through my replays. 
Oh, I thought because I gave it to you. Didn't I just give it to you? Did you you take did it? also just okay. Give it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a Snake Rattle and Roll reboot would be cool. That's a that's a good concept for a game that could make it for a fun like arcade game. That doesn't have to be a full sixty dollar game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just they make such a big deal out of all these studios and that they owned, and then you don't see anything coming out of them. The one thing you saw got canceled. Scalebound? Scalebound, yeah. Okay, yeah. It, and they canceled it. Mm-hmm. It's like the one game that was coming out oh, from their guys. Well, no, Xbox One did a terrible job. You Between that, between Phantom Dust, like... Listen, it's still being worked, <laughs> according to Phil Spencer. Phantom Dust? That's what he said. When? It was back to the drawing board, but they are still committed to getting a game out. I'm calling bull crap on that. Uh, I feel like Microsoft has probably canceled more major releases than they've released this generation. I would not disagree with because you. Because what, you have two Gears games, one Halo game, and some Forces. <laughs> oh, and Crackdown 3. <laughs> like, what else have they done? Sea of Thieves. Oh, yeah, yep. I can't even count the rare replay because that was just, yo, package these up and put them out. No, that, that wouldn't yeah. be one. Hopefully they bring something. State of Decay 2. <laughs> like, they released that. Yeah. I actually didn't hate State of Decay 1, but I had no interest in 2. Yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping for the best. I had a point, but I forget what it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So there's also the Devolver Devol- Digital Conference that came out. They showed a couple of cool arcade games. Um, some big news that came out for me anyway is the game Carry On, which we talked about during our PAX episode, is finally coming out on July 23rd to Switch, PC, and Xbox One. That's pretty dope. Cool. Controls were a little weird, but the game was still kind of fun. There are a couple other games, Weird West on the PC, Blightbound, which is on Steam Early Access right now, Shadow Warrior 3, the trailer looks cool. I'm going to say the same thing I did about 1 and 2. I want to play it, but I'm never going to play them. Cool. Don't know why. <laughs> uh, Disc Room, which is the game that you were talking about. They put showed off a little bit more of those. They did announce a release date for that, though. And then Fall Guys, another game that I really want to play that's like a really awesome kind of Battle Royale party game. Uh, is going to come out on PS4 and Steam on August 4th. I'm really excited about that. That was something we did not get a chance to play at PAX because it was too busy. But it looks light and fun. That Super Mario 3D Land funness and lightness of style in a game. Serious Sam 4 announced for PC and Stadia. Meh. That's basically it for that. So that's what I got for that. And then I just wanted to ask you, <laughs> we kind of texted each other about it the other day. And you said you brought it up before and I'm, I kind of cut you I'm off. I'm really worried about what you're going to say. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm being well, put on the spot here. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> Are you calling me out on something? No, I guess I'm calling myself out on it. Oh, you said you brought oh, yeah, it up. Yeah, I just, fuck you. I just kind of ignored nah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess you were trying to bring up that games. Are yeah, be I was. This generation, Wait, I cut well, you off. Sorry, go ahead. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I had read articles that certain game, like I guess NBA 2K21 already has been announced. It's like we're going to be $70 on next gen systems. Apparently, this is the future of of the systems. Games become more expensive and take longer to develop. They're going to become more expensive in theory, in practice, I guess, just in general. What do you feel about $70 games, and do you think that's something that's going to hurt or help video games, or or just what are your thoughts on it? 
I wanted to talk about this two weeks ago. I don't want to talk about it now. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what your thoughts are? <laughs> I don't know. I understand that a lot of developers are getting very worried that at some point soon, the AAA game experience is going to become impossible to create. It is the amount of people that are going to be needed on the teams of development and writing and the sprawling open worlds, creating quest developers and stuff like that is just untenable. The games will create be too expensive and take too long and they can't release them. So at that point, I understand increasing the amount of money for your game. On the other hand, I also understand that $60 for a lot of people, including you and I, is a lot of money. Especially for people like you and I, who we game a lot. And there's stuff to help us. There's Xbox Game Pass. There's PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. So there are services that are collection of games that you pay a monthly fee. Like it's like a Netflix for games, kind of. The Stadia is a bit like that, I guess. So I get that it's $70, but I, I just don't understand. Like, I can't see too many parents buying their kids too many $70 games now. I'm, I'm wondering if raising it $70 stops people from buying more games. But is it just $10? <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But then you look at it like all these special editions. You want to get these extra 10 quests or you want this DLC pack. Are DLC packs going to go from $30 to $50 now? Or how exponential are we getting in terms of what things cost? So. For starters, I don't think that you're allowed to complain about games that are coming $70 because every time there's some stupid deluxe digital edition where you get one extra piece of armor or whatever. Or but it's like, gold, damn, it's gold a, armor. A digital sound book or whatever the <laughs> hell these things are. You always jump at it. You always buy it. So you're already spending $70, $80 on every game you buy because you're insane. <laughs> um, I am not an economist. That's what I always come back to. I don't know how much games cost to make. I do know that game studios now are more profitable than they've ever been. I understand that as games get bigger, you need more people to make them. But I also understand that as technologies improve, things get easier to make. I mean, with, that's the huge thing about Unreal 5 is they're talking about how much time they're going to be able to save developing games on Unreal 5 because of like the the way the textures model and everything. I guess you can, it's a lot less work apparently. Again, the AI I, kind of I'm has, yeah. also not a game developer, so I don't know what goes <laughs> into making a game. I feel like they've done a good job at maintaining the $60 price point that they've been at for the past two generations through the use of things like microtransactions and DLC add-ons. If that's really not working for them, then you know what? I guess you have to increase the price. The thing is, I don't believe them if they tell me it's not working for them. <laughs> because NBA 2K is the first game that's doing this. NBA 2K does not change year to year. It's the same game year to year with minor improvements. It's not some huge investment for them to huge investment compared to other games mm -hmm. to release a game every year. And they're a game that is notorious for nickeling dime diming people through their uh, trading card packs and everything in the game. Like people are constantly complaining about the price gouging that 2K does for their like all team or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. I don't get involved with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I it it feels dirty to me. Um, it almost just seems like hey, it's a new gen so we can get away with it. So let's do it. But again, I, I, don't, I really don't know how much things cost in actuality. 
I do know that $70 is, it's getting a lot closer to $100. And I know it's only, we're talking about a $10 price difference here. I feel like I can justify, oh, it's just 50 bucks as an impulse purchase, even though it's 60. (laughs) (laughs) Once it gets to 70 bucks as an impulse purchase, it's getting too close to $100 where I don't feel like I can just, go into the store right now and say, you know what? I really want to play this game and pick it up. Right. I, I don't think I would impulse purchase games as often as I do. Not that I do too much anymore anyway, because I just don't game as much as I did at one point, uh, at least on my console here at home. Uh, but $70 does seem like it's, it gets too close to a hundred dollars. And again, not an economist. I don't know about economic philosophy either. I don't know anything about anything, by the way. <laughs> Um, but I do feel like there's probably something that says as your price gets closer to certain thresholds, just optically, it dissuades people. And I feel like $70 is getting a little bit close to that, that line there. That's the other thing. I'm a sucker for those gold belts or whatever you get in games. But when you start 70 for the regular game and it's all going to be 90 for just regular, like not even like the season packs, then I'm going to have to say, I'm just going to have to go regular game, which helps me in my wallet, I guess. But. Like you said, like the, you start adding stuff to that. I'm, sh- I'm sure when they increase the price for like the first year, it'll just be like, oh, yeah, no, here, have this free stuff. And then a year after that, it'll suddenly be, oh, yeah, no, you you do want the digital art book, though. So <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point with 2K being a year to year game where they only change like one or two aspects of it. I've heard other developers talk about how bad this idea would be. And it, it goes along with movie prices as well as scaling the price to your product. And that, you know, just because we make a game year to year, you charge $30, you're going to think less about that game now because it's only $30. Whereas, you know, Ghost of Tsushima is 60 bucks. What do you feel about that? Because I don't necessarily feel price like that well, represents the game's quality. Okay, a couple thoughts. <laughs> to start, the most successful game in the world right now is Fortnite, mm-hmm. which is a free game to download. It was a free game to download what? three years ago, over three years, just about three years ago. Since then, it's still doing well, still making tons of money. They've done graphical improvements over time. They've done all this stuff over time. I don't get why sports games don't just release roster updates and improvements like that, like as a games of service system. You know, I love games of service systems. (laughs) do indeed. So yeah, as far as a sports game like that goes, I think it's gross that they release a a new game every year, honestly. Um, but as far as not having standardized pricing, it does create the system and it's a system that does exist now where if Ghost of Tsushima was coming out in two days and you went to download it and you saw it was only $40, you might be like, oh, it's only $40. And to you, like, you're like, cool, that's $20 cheaper. But that comes with some internal, like some psychological right, baggage wise, for you, yeah. right? Where you're like, oh, it must, it must not be a complete game if it's $20 cheaper. Um, so I get why standardized pricing or unstandardized pricing might cause confusion in that sense. So I, I don't really think you can, I don't know. I, I just don't really know what the right answer is. Neither do I. That. That's why I, I hit it over to you. <laughs> because Star Wars Squadrons is doing that with their $40 price point. 
And I thought that was really interesting. Is like, does it not have single player? No, it's got single player. It doesn't have multiplayer. It's got five different multiplayer modes. So I'm wondering, is it just because it's flying and they think that's going to turn people off or are they trying something new? But that was my first thought was $40. What's wrong with the game? It's so yeah, I still... you're not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. I think it's cool. It is $40. But yeah, I mean, but I understand that game's going to be way shorter than Ghost of Shusima. So it's like, I understand that kind of thing. And I understand your model with sports games. Although I don't know how I would monetize that year after year, I guess. You charge for the roster updates. You got charged for the rosters. Yeah. The cards. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know where the middle line is. I just know that $70, like you say, it's getting close to that $100 point. You know, it would feel like it's like exploiting certain people, but I can see if you did a more expensive launch window, like the game is $70, but after, you know, three months, that price drops down to 40, mm-hmm. you know, because most of you, like, I think like something like over half of your game sales happened in the first month. Apparently it's a statistic. I think I had read at some point. I do not believe you might be making <laughs> it up. <laughs> um, but then it feels like you're kind of exploiting the, the more diehard people to, you know, to subsidize for the people that don't care as much. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know. I thought it was just interesting to. I just wanted to pick your brain about it, and I know apparently you like, wanted to pick my brain about it. So me personally, I think that games are getting too big to begin with. I I, I agree. I'm excited I, for Ghost of Tsushima, but I don't need too many open world games. That I'm done for the year after that. I want ten hour games. That's what I want. So give me ten hour games. <laughs> I'm okay with longer games if there's something like Mass Effect, where it's not. It's open world, but it's not just, here's a big empty map. Go spend half your time running around five kilometers of, of Pretty Island. It's like, I'm I do like those games, but I only have one or two of those a year. I don't need that many. I don't want any of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for Tsushima, but I just don't like open world games. I just don't. They just, they make me anxious. I don't, it's too much. <laughs> I want to get in and out. That's kind of what I had for this week, I think. Oh, post-post game. There was something I wanted to bring up post-post-game. Oh, go for it. So we didn't bring up that The Last of Us Part 2 has... Before the- you continue. Yes. This post-post-game is spoiler-free. Yes. Oh, just making sure. Yes, this is a spoiler-free <laughs> post-post-game on Last of Us Part 2. We didn't talk about how The Last of Us Part 2 had some of the best accessibility options Sure. Of all the other games. That's just something I think is really cool to point out about how, you know, any disability you may have or handicap you might have in terms of needing to have something to help you play these games, they've pretty much added it in there. Yeah, no, it, uh, I mean, before you even started playing the game, you had came up and I was playing. I'm like, dude, you have to see this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just showing all like the colorblind modes and stuff. It, I just thought it was crazy how uh, how much they gave you there. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I guess if I have to include anything in the post post game, most of it would all be spoilers. Um, I was a little sad that we didn't touch about how good the environmental storytelling was. We didn't really talk about environmental storytelling in the same way that, you know, there's the ish campaign in the first game or not mm-hmm. campaign, but the story there's like three or four of those in part two there's that, a lot of that were all really strong. Everything else would be spoilers though. And I don't want to go into any of that. <laughs> I will say I have officially landed on 
ladies and gentlemen, I don't like The Last of Us 2. There, I said it. <laughs> Just to shout out another podcast, a much bigger podcast than ours. Oh, uh, that's fair. <laughs> um, Waypoint Radio has a two-part piece on The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, it's like six hours long between the two pieces. They, yeah, they, you thought we were <laughs> They, they will. These are, these people are a lot smarter than us, a lot more insightful than us. So, <laughs> um, they go into like deep, deep thoughts about a lot of stuff and they really crush a lot of it. Like, I don't agree with everything they say, but there's a lot of stuff where it's like, Oh yeah, that's why I don't like this. That's why I don't like this. Um, so I was pretty impressed by it. So if you got six hours to spare, go check out <laughs> waypoint radios, uh, whew, six hour epic. <laughs> I still like it. I don't think it's <laughs> as good as part one, but I landed on I liked it because I was thinking I can't play all the game again, but I was like, I'd like to play that one chapter again or this chapter again. So I think that means I kind of liked it. That's what's just driving me. I, I don't want to keep doing this, Mike. <laughs> I want to play the game again. I want to crawl through the bushes and I, and I want to shoot people. I just don't want to do anything story-wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't have to talk that much about story on our next week's episode. As we talk about Vanquish. There's a bit of a story going on. There's a little bit of a I don't really know on. what it is, but it's, it's <laughs> there. So that's going to be our post-game, the remaster of Vanquish coming out. Next episode on post game presented by two player bros. Yep. We just want a little, little break to uh, play some mindless fun. Yeah. That's not, <laughs> no, no, no killing dogs yet. At least yet. They're all robots. <laughs> so join us next week, guys, as we play through vanquish and tell you about vanquish. We'll also be playing through ghost of Tsushima so we can get you that review sooner rather than later. Big game. Going to take time to beat. And until next time, Keep on gaming.